This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, it's an honor to work for an organization that is collectively funded here by the blueberry industry. As I've said in many presentations before, you know, if you can show me another way that is more fair than what we do at the USHBC to help with the collective effort of driving demand and working on behalf of an industry, show that to me and I'll go work for them. But in reality, I know there's only 22 of these organizations that exist within the Department of Agriculture and in the United States. And the United States really is seen as a beacon on the hill for this type of program work on behalf of any industry. So uh, it's a great way for a collective effort to come together. And our role here at USHBC is really to try and you know, bring that demand forward, bring awareness ahead for blueberries, certainly the research work that we do that everyone benefits from and everyone shares in those costs. So in order to do that, we have the assessment process and that's overseen by the USDA. And this is essential for making sure that the industry is pulling its resources in a fair and efficient manner so that we can continue to serve the needs of the blueberry industry, the growers, the marketers year after year really is what this is about. And with our new vision to make blueberries the world's favorite fruit, you have to have resources to accomplish those kinds of visions on behalf of any industry. So we have a new face here in the office who's handling this important task, Director of Finance, Ross Peterson. I wanted to bring Ross onto the show to introduce himself and share a little bit more about how USHBC is funded, the assessment process, and some of the changes that are underway. So Ross, thank you for joining me on the Business of Blueberries. It is wonderful to be here. Well, it's great to have you on the team. Uh, you know, I think we need to start off by just talking about who is this Ross Peterson guy. Uh, so you haven't been with the council all that long, and I think you jumped right into the hot seat here in finance. You came on as our finance and compliance manager, and now you've been recently promoted. Congratulations uh, to the director of finance. So why don't I talk to our audience about who are you, where, where, where the heck did you come from, uh, who is Ross Peterson? Born and raised in Minnesota, so I'm a Midwestern boy. Um, grew up uh, north of the Twin Cities. Graduated with my undergraduate in accounting uh, from the University of St. Thomas in 2009. And I spent the first five years of my career working in public accounting at Deloitte & Touche in Minneapolis. My career has kind of gone through a little bit of a winding path. I moved out to California back in 2014, made my way through tech industry, Google and Apple. My wife and I relocated to Oregon Worked, lived in Southern Beaverton, worked at Nike, made my way back into public accounting because I missed it so much. Uh, my wife mo moved us back to her hometown here in Sacramento to be close to her family with our newborn and then found my way over to the Blueberry Council about a year ago at this time, leaving General Mills where I was starting to cut my teeth into uh, food and egg. Yeah, yeah. And talk a little bit about what you were doing for them. I mean, not not just for them, because you were doing it across a lot of those other companies. 
in, in kind of the capacity of kind of compliance and collections, you know, what that experience was like, because that that really was what we brought you here for in the area of assessment. So your background fit really nicely into that. So maybe talk a little bit about what you were doing. Yeah. So the majority of my career has actually been spent being a corporate collections uh, specialist. Uh, what that really means is I have uh, worked with organizations who have moved employees globally on behalf of the employer. And those people are being put into locations and having their housing and their life paid for in those locations, but they typically owe some money back to some degree to the company. And somebody has to go and chase that. So I have spent the majority of my career chasing dollars from people working for their current employer, from CEOs on down to your everyday manager. Yeah. Well, and then translate that to, to blueberries. So why blueberries? I mean, you, you, you were at General Mills. I mean, again, your, your resume suggests an accomplished group of companies, Google, Nike, Apple, and here you are at the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. So what attracted you to a commodity board or blueberries generally? For me, blueberries is something that I've always had in my pantry staple. Uh, so that was really unique to come work for a commodity board that was blueberries and something that I utilize in my everyday life. For me, what I thought was really interesting is what was out there in terms of compliance really fit what I was doing in my world for 15 years, but it was going to be done at a very different level than I had experienced. And so I looked at it as a growth opportunity to come join the council, do something very different. Um, and from a blueberries perspective, fit into kind of who I am as an individual and being in part of my family, introducing my daughter to them. And she thinks it's about the coolest thing in the world that I get to work with blueberries. Um, she talks about it every day at daycare. It's blueberries, blueberries, blueberries. Well, it's great to have you on the show. And I do, I, I totally relate. You know, it's a, it's a great product to work for. It's something you can get behind. You know, in today's episode, that's the finance guy. People are wondering like what, you know, maybe, you know, jump in early. Like, what is it about this episode that you think should interest everyone who's listening today who's in this business of blueberries? Yeah, I, I think from a finance perspective, we're changing the landscape here with the, with the council. Uh, what we're really focused on from a finance uh, desk going forward is we are digitizing finance. We are taking leaps forward in an organization and the way that we structure and the way we work, everything from how we process internally to how we work with growers and handlers um, from an assessments perspective, we are digitizing the commodity of blueberries. We'll talk more about the importance of the assessments and Ross's work, but first it's time for our crop report. This is a very important time as we're kind of finishing the final stretch of the North American domestic season and transitioning to the South American season with Peru and the Chilean season. So here once again is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today you'll hear from Alan Schreiber in Washington and Luis Vegas in Peru. This was recorded on September 20th, 2023. Harvest in eastern Washington is over. There might be an infinitesimal amount still being picked for the fresh market due to the higher prices. There is still a small amount of harvest going on in northwest Washington. Um, the last of the process to harvest and those that are chasing the high fresh prices are still picking. Uh, it has cooled off considerably across the state. It's actually raining in eastern Washington. We've had three inches collectively this year. 
every time it starts to rain, we're surprised. We forgot what it rain was like, but it is cool and rainy on the west side, which has potential to impact quality and foment disease outbreaks. Hello, this is Luis with a crop report from Peru until the end of week 37, which is the week ending on Sunday, September 17th. So the Peruvian season 2023-2024 started in week 18, which is in May. And until the end of week 37, Peru has shipped a total of 104 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide, representing a drop in volume of 50% versus the volume shipped last season. The main reason for the drop in volume is the warmer weather caused by El Niño phenomenon. So from the total volume shipped so far this season, 44% has been sent to the US, 29% to Europe, 21% to China, and 6% to other destinations. Also from the total volume shipped, 11% have been organics. Uh, now, what happened during week 37? Well, uh, during week 37, Peru shipped a total of 14.4 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. Uh, which actually represent a drop in volume of approximately 62% compared to the same week last year. From this volume, 48% has been shipped to the US with approximately 6.9 million pounds, which are expected to arrive at the US market during the last week of September. 29% of the volume shipped during week 37 has been sent to Europe, 21% to China, and 2% to other destinations, including Saudi Arabia, Brazil, Canada, Colombia, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Hong Kong, India, Israel, Kuwait, Panama, Singapore, and Thailand. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website to find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry. Please visit us at ushbc.org forward slash data to find that out. So let's talk about this assessment collections process that, that, you know, maybe not everybody understands. And the 2023 crop year assessment is right around, you know, the forms are going to go out, you know, talk to us about how you see it working and, and what people should know about it. So we've spent the better bulk of 2023 really assessing who are all of our growers and handlers across the United States. It's been a big undertaking. This is growers and handler lists from the better part of 20 years that we're consolidating down and trying to get into a good position so we know who everybody really is and who we're trying to communicate with and work with and collect from. So before we get into the assessment collection process in 2023, I think it'd be great to address to the industry kind of how the funding of assessments plays into the council. So from a domestic perspective, we collect assessments on this calendar year's growth of fruit. So we are collecting 2023 assessments on 2023 fruit in the marketplace today. And then that funds all of our activities for calendar year 2024. So we, that's why we collect at the end of the growing season, the tail end here as we move through September through December, that money is used to fund 2024. We'll touch on imports in a little bit, but imports work different. As we move through the rest of the calendar year, assessments have a firm due deadline. That is November 30th of 2023. After that point in time, assessments are considered to be late and they're subject to interest and penalties. So we want to work with you as closely as we can to avoid interest and penalties. I certainly don't want to take any extra money from folks 
I'm really excited that we are stepping into the phase of, of with a partnership with a company called Impexium um, that's now going to be digitizing the way that we report and collect assessment collections here domestically in the U.S. So working both with handlers and growers to have a space where all their information is stored. We have historical information that we can reference, um, but it's a great place for folks to be able to go in and physically fill out their form online and make payment online. So we're excited to go that direction. It's really going to revolutionize the way that we handle assessments. We're going to have a, a great field of depth when it comes to good data. We'll know kind of who we need to be following up with in the industry. Um, but what I'm really excited about is it does more than just collect your assessment. It's going to be a tool where we can, if you are a uh, low producer of fruit, you can claim the low producer exemption, and that will also be stored within Impexium. You can tag and report to whoever handler that you're giving your fruit to, multiple handlers, single handlers. Handlers can then report what growers they're receiving fruit from and, and handling for. So it's really exciting. It's great for uh, the council here to be able to kind of track that information. Yeah, I know that feeling. So, I mean, it is. It's going to be a great way for us to be able to hopefully reflect back to the industry ways in which they can keep up with their own account. And Impexium is going to be a great tool for that. I'm really looking forward to seeing where that goes from here. Let's talk about who's required to pay. I know we kind of touched on that at the top, but we're talking specifically domestically because we're about to round into that assessment collections process for the domestic industry. You mentioned importers are different. So what's the difference or how are they the same? Well, importers and domestic growers pay the same assessment dollar on blueberries. So from a from an import perspective, $18 a ton as fruit comes over the border, it's automatically collected by uh, Customs and Border, uh, and it's funneled to the USHBC from the USDA. We're not super involved other than we get the reporting from the USDA that we verify importers of record and what's come across the border each month. From the domestic side, the difference on the uh, between the two is that we have to be actively in the marketplace on the domestic side, connecting with growers and handlers to actually collect the assessments. Whereas on the import side, it's just taken in order for fruit to be released from customs. So it's 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 two different processes, but it's assessed the same way, the same eighteen dollars a ton. So for those who are wondering, and obviously they pay the same, but the split at which we receive the dollars are probably different. I mean, I know they're different, but I'm just going to kind of tease out like the domestic industry historically, you know, were, was the largest of the budget in terms of assessments collected, but that's changed. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what is that split between the domestic and the import assessments? Yeah. If we just look back to actuals from the last couple of years, you know, we collect about in total uh, worldwide into the U.S., which includes the domestic crop, a little over 1,314,000,000 pounds of blueberries. The split on that, 58% from the import side and 42% on the domestic side. When we look to 2023, 1,186,000,000 pounds, so a little bit down, but still 56% on the import side, 44 on the domestic side. Average over the last five years, imports are sitting at about 57% and domestics at 43% in terms of uh, blueberry production. Well, that's a good overview for people who don't know how that works. But, but you said that there are things that people really don't know about the assessment. I, I know you're, you're, you're talking to a lot of folks. I think some folks have received communications from you or your team that 
haven't heard from us before, right? So part of this is, you know, us on the podcast saying, yeah, you might hear from Ross or you might hear from part of our team. Um, but what, what are the things that you hear or you see in either the form, filling out the forms, or what, what are the mistakes that you see taking place within the industry that we're trying to address here? Yeah, great. Casey, I think the biggest thing across the board is the fact that the blueberry order relates to growers. A lot of the growers give fruit to handlers and handlers will pay their assessments for them. And the most important piece is that we don't receive grower forms for the majority of the industry. We get their information through their handler, but the grower is not reporting grower forms. So it is a requirement that all growers turn in a grower form to the USHBC reporting what they produce during the year. And then where did their fruit go to? Did you change a handler this year? We can't just assume that where you sent your fruit last year is where you sent it again this year. So being very clear on where your fruit has gone, if you did not sell it yourself and you're not paying your own assessment, where did your fruit go to? From a handler perspective, we get a lot of handler forms that we just handled fruit. Here's the total amount and here's our check. But we need to tie out where did all of that information come from? So complete grower lists from handlers um, reporting pounds that were produced, how much was handled, and then what does the check relate back to? So those are the two big things that we see is we don't get enough grower forms and handler forms are incomplete without grower information. But also we get a lot of grower forms that are completed by the handler and not signed and certified by a grower. That is a requirement. Um, as a grower, you're required to fill out your own form and sign and attest to your own information. So that's another big one. It's an important one. I, I want to just take a moment there to describe why that matters. So uh, yes, there are moments where we're collecting handler forms. Then now we're going back and asking for those handlers to give us the grower information so we can contact the grower to say, you have to sign here. The service to that is, and I'm not suggesting that this happens, but if it were to happen, that a handler reports a number that's different than the number that the grower reported going to the handler, well, that's a good check and balance on what the grower is paying for from the handler's perspective that we can tie back to. And that's, that's simply like just good business practice. So we can see that the grower said that they sent this much fruit and the handler said that the grower sent this much fruit and that ties out. What if it doesn't tie out? Well, we, that would be a way. And I think by design, it gets caught. Not, not necessarily for the intent of just making sure that the, all the assessments are paid, but just making sure that the process works, that the grower's dollars that are being paid for by the handler reconcile back to what the grower's expectation was for that payment. So I hope that's clear. Very clear. I, I think one piece to add to that is the blueberry order does not stipulate that a handler is required to pay an assessment on behalf of a grower. The blueberry order simply states that a grower is responsible for the assessment. So, you know, that's what that's where it becomes important to understand how much fruit really went from a grower to a handler and what did the handler pay because that you know, the handler can write a check, but we don't we need to tie back to the grower because that's where the ultimate responsibility sits and lays. That's right. No, that's an important part. So those two things I, I think are great highlights on where we see, you know, kind of common, I don't know if it's mistake or misunderstanding of the obligation, um, but really clear. I think that's a pretty good overview for both people who may feel like they understand this process and certainly, you know, an overview of what you do here and, and how the assessment process works. But we're about to roll into this end of season for the domestic industry. The assessment process is going to come. So maybe just walk us through what you see as the plan for this year. The forms are going out. How do you see this year being similar or different from your perspective as finance director? Yeah, I think it's going to be 
a better year than we went through last year. There was a lot of transition that happened last year, just coming on board, kind of learning processes were a bit more refined this year. Assessment collection letters are going out almost 60 days earlier than last year. Um, So those will be hitting mailboxes here within the next week or so. There's a mailing address on there to mail back, a a mailing address to mail payment as well. Um, Once those forms come back, our team is going to be logging those into Impexium in detail and then tracking the information. And so we should see a a pretty rapid follow-up should there be any questions this year. So as we work through the assessment collections process, September to December, we're going to start formulating and understanding who we would expect to have turned into an assessment to the USHBC. We reference old USHBC assessment data and information to understand who did we not receive an assessment from. We will start that collections process and follow up January 2nd. So you would, if you have not filed your assessment by that time, um, our team will be reaching out with a letter and collection information to make sure that we've dotted our I's and crossed our T's in relation to your assessment for 2023, 30 days later, February 1st, 30 days later on March 1st. If we don't hear from you by April 1st, then cases start to get discussed with the USDA. And then we start a collections process with the USDA at that point in time. You know, Ross, I know in your role, you you actually, in some ways, spend a lot of time on the phone talking to growers uh, in this area more than certainly I do. And and so, you know, you were on the phone with them. They're asking you questions like, what, what's the most common question you get? Or what, what are those conversations like when growers are calling you talking about assessments? You know, I, I spend the majority of my day looking at numbers and spreadsheets. And so for me, when I get to feel the phone call from a grower, it's probably the best part of my day. Breaks up the the, the monotony of punching numbers into an Excel workbook. And I think one of the funnest things is, is, you know, I get to hear life experiences. I get to hear how businesses are being run. It gives me a great insight as to what's happening in the industry. Maybe it's just in a small space and, you know, it could be Georgia or Florida, or North Carolina, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I get to hear a lot of really fun stories um, in the mix of answering questions on how to fill out a form. Where do I mail my form? Where does the payment go? We get to spend a lot of time talking about families and kids and uh, what it's like to transition a farm from, you know, generation to generation to generation. I, uh, what should be a five to a 10 minute phone call usually turns into a good hour and it's, it's a lot of fun. I hear a lot of really fun things from, from growers. It's a, it's a good time. Yeah. Well, and I think they probably appreciate that. I mean, this business is, you know, very, we talk about it every week on the podcast. We end it as, you know, family and hard work. And, you know, it's not lost on me the time that you could probably spend on the phone talking about this business that is Blueberry. So, you know, when they're calling, when you get these phone calls, is there, is there a thread of commonality in the phone call that you get that people are wanting to know more about? Or what is it that you find most common in the calls that you're having? Uh, there's probably two major items that come up in a phone call. One, as a grower, I didn't know I needed to fill out this form. This is the first time I've ever done it. Help me walk me through what I need to do here. Uh, That's a pretty common one. The other one is, how do I ensure that my handler is reporting what I put on my grower form? That's another really good one that I get a lot um, because they're trying to understand, well, what is my handler going to put on there? And are they going to actually pay what I've negotiated with them in regards to my arrangement? And you know, from a USHBC perspective, we don't oversee that, right? We don't we don't get into the business of what a grower is involved in with from a handler's perspective. And so it's an encouraged conversation between a grower and a handler. But that is a very common question that we get is, 
I filled this out on here and I know my fruit went to a handler. Did they report the same thing on their handler form back to you all? Very common question. So that second one, Ross, you know, that, that, that is something that, you know, I think is just maybe common because handlers are filling out the forms for growers are actually filling out the form grower forms. So there's that part, but, but there's, there's that part that you're just describing where, you know, the grower wants to know what the handler reported. Right. And so a grower fills out their form, sends it in, but wants to call you and ask you, what did the handler report? Do we provide that information to them? Walk us through like how that reconciliation of under, like if a grower is just curious of what the handler report said about them in comparison to their numbers, what's your response? Yeah, we, we share the, we share that data for sure. You know, it's important for a handler and a grower to have that good relationship, of course, but we hold that data here at the USHBC. And so we're more than happy to dive into what did your handler report? What did you put on your grower form? It's a weird space because there's a lot of trust and reliance between a grower and a handler in the USHBC. We collect that data and there's a you know relationship there that we are confident in and we certainly have those communications and share that information back with a grower and it just creates good form all right well that's important to note uh, a good resource as well for our growers to understand you know both the handler reporting system and of course you know the relationship we have with both so i'm sure people are appreciative of kind of understanding the way in which you see this administered going forward from here and Hopefully we don't have any of those issues, but I think it's good to hear. And I think we wanted to share that uh, there is a process for this. And that's why I wanted to just bring you on the show today. uh, Let people get to know who you are, understand the responsibility you have. Uh, As we go into this assessment season, the back half of the year, we hope to hear from everybody. And we expect that if there are questions, Ross will be able to answer them. um, And we would encourage people to reach out directly. Absolutely. Anything else you want to add before I let you go? Let's make blueberries the world's favorite fruit. Amen. I agree. I think everybody's on that train. So thank you, Ross. Uh, Look forward to uh, seeing everybody in Savannah. That's it for episode 150. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Blueberries.